Hi there, this is Elliot Fishman, and it's a pleasure to be here this afternoon. And this is our first vodcast. Yes, you heard correctly, vodcast. That's video and podcast merging together. So what I'm going to bring you is a lecture, one of the hottest topics we have, and I'm going to show it to you. And I guess you can listen to it on your iPod and not look at the uh, video, or you can look at your video iPod and look at the video and listen to the music, or you can look at it on your computer and do everything on a big screen. Nevertheless, let's get started. So when we speak about 3D imaging, there's a lot of things we talk about, but when you get down to it, one of the most critical and one of the most core concepts, whether you speak about cardiac or liver or pancreas or kidney or bone, is how do we create the images? And that really is one of the driving forces behind all of 3D. And it really is the key, because the key to understanding what you're doing, the key to succeeding with CT and geography or any of the new techniques, is to understand what techniques are available for creating these 3D images and how and when to use them. So in this lecture, what I'm going to do is I'm going to define the various types of rendering techniques. I'll discuss their advantages and I'll discuss their disadvantages. I'll talk about some of the times we use each technique, and I'll also show you some of the pearls and some of the pitfalls. Now, in saying that, if I was inventing the newest rendering technique, what would it have to be? Well, simple. It needs to be easy to use clinically. It needs to be highly accurate, a high sensitivity and a high specificity. When you use the technique, its results not only need to be correct, but it needs to be correct among a range of different users, which could be radiologists or our radiology technologists or the referring physicians. And it needs to be designed in a way that it's efficient. If it takes hours to do or 30 minutes to do, it ain't gonna happen. So it needs to be easy to learn, it needs to be easy to master, it needs to be easy to teach, and it needs to be easy to use. Because if I ask the question, what's the best rendering technique for any application, the answer is one that you know how to use and that you're willing to use. Now that may seem obvious and maybe a bit trite, but that's the bottom line. The best system, if it's unusable, is not going to work. And we've all tried some of those systems. Okay, so let's talk about rendering techniques. Let's look at some of the principles. Well, the rendering technique is the most important technical determinant of the 3D image quality in most cases. And that's assuming, of course, a good data set has been acquired. I've spoken to you at length about how we acquire data. CTSS has all the protocols because we know that no matter how good the rendering technique is, no matter how expert you are, if the data is crummy, it ain't gonna help beans. So you need good data. Now, what the rendering technique is, in a simplistic fashion, is the computer algorithm that's used to transform the axial CT data into the 3D imaging. So in saying that, what's the simplest technique? Well, that's multiplanar reconstruction. We've done this forever. You take the axial images and you reformat these original data sets into coronal and sagittal, maybe oblique or curved planar planes. And that's something we've done, at least in part, for 30 years since the beginning of the dawn of CT. NPR quality has been variable over the years. We know the thinner the sections, the closer the reconstruction, typically the better they are. And now with isotropic data, of course, it's really ideal. Again, it's critical to use thin sections. 
typically under a millimeter if you want to do really well and then do overlap between 25 and 50 percent overlap so in most of our work we do 0.75 millimeter thick sections every 0.5 millimeters now before uh, MPR images which were often done routinely by technologists particularly in neuro applications like spine were reimbursed but as of January 1st 06 that reimbursement no longer exists there have been some articles we've published some here's an article by Honda talking about how the quality of reconstructed images is similar to direct coronals when looking at the lung so when you have isotropic data sets and I've spoken about that with other lectures with isotropic data sets the 3d reconstructions or the NPRs are of the same quality as the initial data regardless of planar perspective so let's look at a few examples Here's the first case of a subcapsular hematoma of the liver. You very nicely can see the interface of the collection, the diaphragm, and the liver. You can see the kidney, but you recognize it's a coronal display, which is in a sense a straight line. So structures that are within the plane show nicely. Structures coming in and out of the plane, like the bowel in this case, you see only parts of it. So you see the small bowel. You see the uh, patient's large bowel on the left side of the abdomen, but you don't see it at all on the right side of the abdomen. Now, when you look at comparing a coronal display in a 3D, image on your left is the coronal, and on your right is the volume rendered image, you can see some of the advantages volume rendering gives. It truly is a three-dimensional image. It accentuates the changes at the subcapsular hematoma collection with liver interface, those perfusion changes. It gives you a 3D feel of the liver and a 3D feel of the kidney and a 3D feel of the heart and the liver. So it's much better. And you could see there is some difference if I show you this image, again, another coronal display, and take that, compare it to the MIP. Again, you see the advantages and disadvantages of MIP. It's a flat image. It's a projection technique. Gives you a lot of information, but I think if I chose between the volume and MIP in this case, the volume really supports the NPR better than the uh, MIP does. Another example, here's a patient with gastric outlet obstruction, thickening of the antrum, and a patient with radiation gastritis. This patient had a Whipple's procedure for pancreatic cancer. When you look at the image on your left, which is a coronal NPR, comparing it to the volume rendered image, you see the stomach, but look in the volume rendering. Look how much better you see the 3D, the folds themselves, the changes at the antrum. Look at the small bowel, the relationship of bowel to ascites. That's something the 3D map gives you. That's something you're just not going to get out of the NPR. Now, that's not to say we don't use NPR. We do use it as a start or at times as a supplement to our 3D imaging. I especially will show you how I like the sagittal uh, view for looking at the SMA. Now, when you look at volume rendering versus multiplanar reconstruction, we commented that a limitation of NPR is the fact that structures that run obliquely or run in and out of the plane are just not going to be well seen in their entirety. That structure can be vascular or it can be the ureter. And let me just show you an example with the ureter. Here's a case with the kidneys nicely shown, a huge prostate bladder elevated, but you only see a little bit of the ureters more distally on this coronal display, which again is making a slab through the volume. But even if you make the slab big enough, it's not going to help and surely not be as good as this volume rendered image, which beautifully shows me the uh, 
3D mapping of the kidney, the renal pelvis, the ureters, the elevated base of bladder, and in this view, whether it's grayscale or color, you truly see all the information. And here's just a side-by-side -side comparison showing you the 3D volume rendering versus the MPR. And in a case like this, with this is a CT urogram, where the referring doc wants to see the ureters in their entirety, this type of display is obviously supreme. In saying that, there are good things about MPR, particularly these days with some new software that allows us to do excellent curve planar reconstructions. Curve planar reconstruction is particularly valuable in vascular imaging, such as in the heart. Other people like Brooke Jeffrey have used it for a while for looking at pancreatic ducts. So it's a good technique for things that come in and out of plane. And just to share an example with the heart, look at this patient's normal right coronary artery. You see approximately, you see it on the undersurface of the heart, but connecting the two is hard. You're looking at multiple slices. Well, we do 3D, and here it is in grayscale, very nicely showing you the uh, approximate two-thirds of the right coronary artery, and then I rotate the heart and see the bottom one-third of the vessel, its connection to the posterior coronary artery in this patient with right dominant circulation. And I could do it beyond grayscale. I can do it in color, nicely showing you the RCA within the uh, groove, the AV groove, where it sits. Uh, and it's clearly defined even coming along the base of the heart. And here's just one more set of views from the base of the heart. It's really giving you all the information. But how do we use multiplanar then? Well, there's new software, and every vendor offers some flavor of the software, or almost every vendor. And here's the circulation package from Siemens. What happens is, is you have a rough three-dimensional view. You then touch the two points, the origin of the sinus of Alsalva of the right coronary, the end of the right coronary near the PCA, and then the computer takes that information and literally lays the vessel out. So now you have the right coronary artery in its entirety. You're able to rotate this image, look at it in different planes and perspectives. And this use of multiplanar, the curved planar reconstruction, particularly when guided by some automation, is really ideal. It's ideal in many vascular processes. One might be stent evaluation, looking at stent patency, for example. So in this case, you see a stent in the right coronary artery, volume rendered, now in color volume rendered. And we can look at it from many different perspectives with different renderings, and it appears to probably be patent, but what you have to do is go inside the vessel. Curve planar, we draw it on the 3D map. And now we're inside the vessel. Look how nicely we can see the lumen of the RCA stent and notice it's patent. And here's just another two perspectives of that visualization. So we're simply able to go far beyond simply looking at a coronal or a sagittal and use curved planar reconstructions. And in this case of a stent, it is just spectacular. Okay, that's MPR. Let's then move a little bit forward and move down to some of the classic rendering techniques, what we really call 3D rendering. And we talk about 3D rendering, there are two classes of rendering. There's the thresholding or surface-based binary techniques which have been around somewhere after Noah landed the ark, somewhere around 1975 or 77. And the percentage or semi-transparent continuum volume-based techniques which really began with Pixar. Each of these techniques has three basic steps. 
volume formation, classification, and image projection. But that's where the similarities end. Let's now take a look at the specific techniques. We'll look at volume rendering, we'll then look at MIP, and then we'll compare different processes.